jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three! Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered pass here. He'll get one. And he stays alive and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat. He'll do it. Touchdown Syracuse. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration. Step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. Just one guest lined up for you today. We've got Adrian Autry set to join us at 1230. We'll get his thoughts on what's going on with the Orange. Other than that, we want to hear from you at 315-437-7644. We had so many phone calls yesterday, Seth, that we had to cut them off at the end of the show. So for those people who didn't get through yesterday, give us a call today, and we'll keep the SU basketball conversation going because you know we could talk about this for the next five shows. I'm not sure we're going to solve whatever it is that's going on with the Orange. We laid out the problems with this team yesterday. We identified the problems, and there are a lot of them. Free throw shooting, rebounding, outside shooting, toughness, quote-unquote, just to name a few. Are there any solutions? And I, I think you know we spent a, the better part of, of two hours yesterday trying to come up with solutions. And, and again, I, I don't think there's an easy fix, which has me coming back to something we, we talked about at the beginning of the football season, to be honest with you. I made the point at the beginning of the football season. I said, you know, this team should win at least six games. Expectations should be higher. It's year three under Babers. You know, Eric Dungy's coming back. You've got a you know a veteran quarterback. You've got a veteran core. You know, now your recruits that, that Dino has brought in, they're they're ready to play. They're sophomores for the most part. You've got some freshmen who could come in and contribute. And I said, you should expect this team to be better. Right. Four and eight, four and eight, four and eight. Why are they going to be? Well, they should be better because they're a veteran group. They now know the system, so on and so forth. And, and it, I think it kind of applies to this basketball team. And I know Jim Beha made the point the other night, and, and he's right. They had flaws last year. That is an accurate statement. They lost 14 games for a reason. But we all expected them to be better, I, th- I think him included. And I, I think we should expect them to be better. Because everybody's a year older, a year better. They had the whole offseason to work on things. You bring in Elijah Hughes, who was you know not allowed to play last year because of the transfer. And you bring in Jalen Carey, and you bring in Buddy Beheim. I think it stands to reason that, yeah, okay, this team should be better. They made it to the Sweet 16. We saw defensively what they were able to do at the end of last year. And we all thought offensively they were going to be better. Right. And so I mean, now we're 11 games in, and now I'm being told... You know, not me personally, but we're being told collectively by the head coach, well, we shouldn't have expected this team to be better. Right. I, I'm it's, having a hard time with that. It's a it's <laughs> I am too. It makes no sense. It doesn't it doesn't make sense to me to say, well, you it was ridiculous to think this team was gonna get better. Well, you brought back everybody off of that team, and yeah, it was a flawed team, but you expect players to get better. And we've had this discussion, we we said it yesterday. I don't know that people have gotten better and 
for the most part, they're just the same players they were last year. Tyus Battle is essentially the same player he was last year. That's fine. That's a really good player. O'Shea Brissett is essentially the same player he was last year. That's fine. That's that's fifteen and eight, sixteen and eight. Like that's a that's a very good college basketball player. But it doesn't it doesn't do enough to just bring back everybody from last year at the same place that they were at last year. And oh by the way, those two centers aren't what they were last year. Like there's something missing there that they're not quite as good as they were last year. So. I don't think it was unreasonable to expect them to be better. I think that bringing back all five starters off of a team that made the NCAA tournament, regardless of what they did in the regular season, and then made a run and looked as good as they did at times defensively in that NCAA tournament, and I shouldn't even say at times, the whole time in the NCAA tournament, they looked fantastic defensively. It shouldn't have been unreasonable to expect that they would be a better team. Now, did did, did I buy into the idea that they were a top 10 team, a top 15 team? I did not. I did not buy into that idea. Um, but I thought they were a back end of the top 25 team. I thought they would be 17 to 25 all year long. Clearly that's not what they are. And so I don't, but I, but I still don't think it's unreasonable for us to have looked at this team and said, Hey, they're all coming back. They're, they're going to be better. And to your point, you bring up the football example and you say, well, it's year three in the system. You bring back your quarterback. You bring back all these receivers, all these, these, all, all these players, except for your linebackers. You bring like everybody back who is really important. If it were the case that we could never say that a team was going to be better because they brought everybody back, then teams would never get any better. Right? Like like how how crazy an idea is this that that teams would just never get better if you weren't allowed to say, well, they brought four starters back. Is Buffalo better this year than last year? Yes. And and what's and, what's and, the oh, big reason everybody points? Well, they got three seniors in the starting lineup. That people point to Jim Beheim said it after the game. Jim Beheim in a span of 5 minutes said, "Well, they're better than last year." Okay, Jim, why are they better than last year? Well, they're a year older. And then 5 minutes later said, "We're we're a year older, but we're but 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 you can't use that as a reason that we would be better." Like it's I I don't I don't get it. It only works in certain cases, obviously. Let, let's hear from Jim Beham on the, the expectations that everybody had going into the year. The expectations are all based on we won three games last year. We lost 14 games last year in the regular season. We have the same team back with some help, but it's the same team that lost 14 games. So there's a reason we lost 14 games. Having all five starters back doesn't mean... They lost 14 games. I've seen teams with all five starters back that lost 20 games. This team lost 14 games last year in the regular season, I think. Is that right, Mike? Somewhere in there. Pretty close. Right? I don't want to be corrected, but I'm saying it roughly. So we were not a good team. We came on at the end of the year and played three one-point games. <laughs> And Arizona State had a jumper, corner jumper wide open from their best shooter that would have won the game. We would have gone home. He missed. So, you know, we're that team. We we have not demonstrated to me that we're better. All right, and I will I will give him that. His point about the Arizona State game, it's a good one. If that three-pointer goes in, then maybe expectations are tempered a little bit. 
But I still think they would have been high. Like I still think this team would have been in the top twenty-five. And you mentioned a moment they probably ago, would have been. You mentioned a moment ago that you weren't buying into this as a top ten team or top fifteen team. It's okay if you did, right? Like I thought this was yeah, this team was about a top fifteen. Team. I don't fault anybody who did. There were national analysts that picked Syracuse to go to the Final Four before the season started. Okay, we normally don't see a power 5 school return all five starters from one year to the next. It's it's it, nowadays in college basketball it's it's rare. And so Jim Beheim is right that if that shot goes in against Arizona State, then you know maybe expectations are tempered to some degree. But that shot didn't go in. And then we saw them go on this run where they beat some pretty good teams, beat TCU and Michigan State the following week and they played, you know, Duke right down to the wire. And we saw during that tournament run what this team can be. Like, we, we saw, okay, like, this is what they're capable of doing. And, and he's right, they were flawed. But let's look at the flaws. The, the biggest flaw last year was scoring offense. And it went hand-in-hand hand with depth, right? I mean, we talked all the time about how it felt like Syracuse was playing three-on-five on the offensive end. Right. Okay? So th- those were the, the two main weaknesses of this team and I and again I think they kind of go hand in hand they had lack of scoring options because they had a lack of depth and coming into this year we felt like problem solved they go nine deep you know buddy Bayham's right. the buddy Bayham's yeah. the ninth guy and at least you know, eight deep probably and coach nine. had said he's going to play and you had Jalen Carey and you had Elijah Hughes you had you have more options on offense Merrick developed an outside shot you've got Elijah Hughes in the starting lineup and you felt like, all right, well, they have a they have an offensive lineup that can score. Merrick goes in the middle. You've got five guys on the floor that can score. Even if the centers hadn't improved. Well, we've seen that the centers really haven't taken a step forward. But for whatever reason, the, the offensive punch over the course of 40 minutes has not been there. They have moments. They have halves. The second half against Georgetown was fantastic. The first half against Buffalo the other night, fantastic. They were really good. But then they go through these stretches where, you know, they follow up that 57% shooting performance in the first half against Buffalo with 23 points in the second half. Not going to get the job done. We saw how how bad they shot the ball. What, one for 14, I think it was, from three-point range in the first half against Georgetown? And then they come back and, and you know, they rally to win that game, and they go seven for 14 in the second half from three. They have their moments. They they have the ability, but they're not putting it to, together for, for 40 minutes. And I think that that's, you know, that's certainly the frustrating thing for fans. So, to say that we shouldn't have expected this team to be better, I think it's just wrong. I I don't I don't agree with that because again the number one issue with this team last year was lack of scoring options slash depth, and going into the year we didn't think that was going to be a problem. The depth certainly isn't a problem. The scoring for whatever reason you know consistently scoring over forty minutes is still a problem right I mean look they they play an eight man rotation they they've got eight guys who they feel comfortable playing that's that's a big step up from where they were last year, particularly where they had five in the and a half year, right yeah. where they had five and a half that they felt comfortable putting out on the court uh you know i I think the scoring is you know in theory they've got more scoring options too i, I it's not coming together because Frank hasn't been himself to this point in the season and I think that on on Tuesday night he played his best game but you know you you have more scoring options just by nature because you put Elijah Hughes onto the team and that's an option that you didn't have before you know and and so you're adding another guy who can go out and score 15 points a game 
You know, that, that's that's a benefit. That's a good thing to have in your back pocket. And so this team does, by nature, have more scoring options. They just, um, it, it's just not coming together. Like, it's, it's the simplest point. Like, you could, again, they, they've got individuals and, and they've answered some of the questions from last year because we've seen in spurts, hey, they've got more scoring options. We've seen, hey, they've got more depth. Uh, but it hasn't resulted in anything better than what they did last year. And honestly, the the Buffalo game is not alarming to me because Buffalo is is good. Right. If this was, and, and I mentioned this on the show yesterday, if this was one loss or if they, say, lost to Oregon down in the garden, you'd be like, okay, you know, they, they lost to good teams. Buffalo's a good team. That's not a concerning loss to all. me. The, the old Dominion loss was concerning. And when you couple it with the Buffalo loss, they lost those games the same way. They and didn't make you... free throws. They didn't rebound. They were out-muscled down low. They went through stretches where they couldn't score. And they let a game that they probably should have won slash were in control of. They were clearly in control of the old Dominion game. They were relatively in control of the Buffalo game in the first half. And they let two games that were at home against Teams that, you know, Buffalo is really good, but they're on equal footing as Syracuse. I don't think Buffalo's that much better. They were in position to win both of those games, and they didn't. Both of them slipped away at the end. Well, and and let's pair it also with the Georgetown game, because the Georgetown game was the game before Old Dominion, and, and a game that, uh, let's be honest, Syracuse shouldn't have been in a close game against that Georgetown team. Fair. They're better than they were last year. Jesse Govan's a great player, and, and I think going to be a really good uh, NBA center but they that's not a team that you should be in a close game and need ties battles heroics at the end of it to win not at all and they did you know so the the last 3 games to me have really been concerning and and that's why coming off the buffalo game it feels like there's this panic in a vacuum and and I think we had Steven North Syracuse call in and say this he's like hey you know at the end of the year buffalo very well could run the table they could be a top 5 top 10 team you're right you're absolutely right. Buffalo could be a top 10 team in the country. They could run the table from now until March, especially if they win tomorrow against Marquette. But it's also the second consecutive loss and another performance where Syracuse just wasn't good and couldn't finish the job. So all of these things piling up create the panic. It's not that game individually. It's everything that goes along with it. By the way, you brought up Marquette. Did you see how Duquesne lost last night? Did you see the uh, no. the, the story? They they played Penn State. I heard this was a game was tied with I... five seconds left. The Duquesne head coach lost his mind over a call. He got two technical fouls and they lost by six. Uh, Penn State made all six free throws. I uh, I heard that this would be considered a bad beat. It was. Uh, Duquesne was a five-and-a-half-point underdog, <laughs> and the score was tied with five seconds to go, and they did not cover the spread. Yeah. I uh, I turned on SportsCenter last night late. Uh, we had a we had a cookie-baking contest here, and so I was making some cookies, and I was up uh, too late making cookies, and I, I turned SportsCenter on, and Scott Van Pelt, and he goes, we had the worst bad beat of the, That's of the year. That's pretty tough to beat. He's like, we had maybe the worst one we've ever seen. Except they didn't show it, so I just heard about it. Yeah, the coach lost <laughs> his mind. It, they had three block charge calls go against them in a row, like consecutively, and they didn't get it, you know, bang-bang plays. And right. all three of them went against his team. And on the last one, he, you know, last one was called with like five and a half seconds left. He, he lost his mind. 
uh, ref teed him up, and then he lost his mind some more, got teed up again, got ejected, and then Penn State made all six free throws and, and won by six. Um, in any event, I didn't mean to, to get off on, on an aside there, but I, I had to bring that up because that was on my mind coming into the show. Listen, What does that have to do with Marquette? I, it just Marquette and Duquesne. I don't know. They just they kind of seem the like the, yeah, they, they, the got, same, they got yeah. cues, and right. I don't know. It just popped into my head when you said Marquette. All right, fine. That's a fair, fair point. Uh, I don't know why it made me think of it, but it made me think of it. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. All right, back to Q's basketball. What does this team need to do to get back on track and and to get ready for ACC play? I mean, they've got two weeks to figure this thing out. Less than two weeks now. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Steven Seth back with you on a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by the Bill Rapp Superstore at the corner of Thompson and Burnett in Syracuse or online at BillRapp.com. We've got Adrian Autry set to join us here in about 10 minutes from now as we continue the SU basketball talk. So as we look for solutions, what to do with the Orange, uh, one of the things that has been suggested is that they play faster. And Jim Beheim was was asked about that after the game on Saturday. And uh, then again, after the game, after the Buffalo game on Tuesday night. Here's what he had to say Tuesday night. You can't rebound, you can't run. And I don't think we have a running team. I don't think we can run. I think Frank's coming back, but he's not back. I think, uh, you know, I don't think we have a team that can get up and down the court. They got up and down the court. They're a smaller team, but they get up and down. They're faster, quicker. I think they're stronger. But I don't think we can run. Five fast break points against Buffalo. The Bulls had 12. No, 16, sorry. 16 fast break points for the Bulls. Five for Syracuse. And and that's about the number we've seen this season against the better teams especially. They're not running. Uh, Frank Howard not really known for getting out and running anyway. You know, he said Frank's not 100%, and it, it doesn't look like he is. But even when Frank is 100%, he, he generally doesn't push it. Now, last year, I think, in part, was the, the lack of depth. They, they wanted to play slow, or they, you know, they didn't want to necessarily get out and run because they didn't have the bodies to do it. This year, they do have the bodies to do it. Uh, but Jim Beheim says that he doesn't think that's the solution. Yeah, you know, we, we talked about this earlier in the year. It doesn't exactly seem like Frank Howard, even when he is healthy. It doesn't seem like he's necessarily somebody who wants to get out and run and push the tempo. Like, he seems much more comfortable playing slow. And that's why a lot of people are are saying, hey, let's get Jalen Carey in there a little bit more. Because when Carey's been on the floor, he's been moving it. He's been pushing a little bit faster. And I I think that, like, I know what Jim Beheim just said. And, uh, you know, who am I to disagree with the 43 uh, year veteran and a Hall of Fame head coach, but I'm going to. I, I think that I think that this team is better when they play faster, I, at least offensively. And I understand that defensively, you still want to do your thing and you still want to sit back in zone, and like that's fine, that's great. But I don't understand why that affects your offense and why you can't go faster and move crisper and why you have to bleed the clock to five every single time you you go down court. Like, shouldn't you be able to do both? You know, you you can do what you want defensively while you can also, you know, go a little faster offensively. I'm not even saying you have to be running up and down the floor and, and you know, playing as, as fast as humanly possible. Like, just just initiate offense faster. Like, it, everything seems to move in slow motion with this offense. Every pick, every, every run around a screen, every cut, like, eh, everything seems to go in slow motion. 
And when you have trouble scoring the basketball, getting a few easy baskets feels like a, a good way to, to help alleviate that problem. You look at the fast break points so far this season. They've hit double figures in that category three times. They did it against Eastern Washington in the opener, had 10. They had 12 fast break points against Colgate, and they had 14 against Georgetown, and that was primarily in the second half. I want to say they had two fast break points in the first half against the Hoyas, and then 12 in the second half. They picked up the tempo. There was certainly a sense of urgency. They did get up and down the court, especially early in that second half against the Hoyas. Other than that, it's been all single digits, and you look at the losses. They had eight fast break points against UConn, six against Oregon, four against Old Dominion, five against Buffalo. Again, not saying that that is the reason that they're losing, but as we try to look at at possible fixes, you know, maybe a few easy baskets in transition w- would help. It does go back, and again, Jim Beheim is right. He normally is. Um, he's right. You can't run if if you can't get a rebound, and and that is is probably the bigger concern. It forget the word probably. That is the bigger concern that they're having trouble rebounding. They were minus thirteen on the glass against Buffalo. Uh, they lost the battle on the boards against Old Dominion. You can't do that. You can't give a team second-chance opportunities. Buffalo had 18 offensive rebounds, including a few big ones towards the end of the game on free throws where you know, Syracuse gets the rebound, maybe they score at the other end. Instead of a you know 10-point game or 8-point game, you chip it to 4 or 6, and, and you give yourself a fighter's chance. They continue to struggle on the backboards, and, and that is, as we look at the... As we look at the, the tangible problems with this team, that's probably number one. As you know, I said yesterday, I feel like this whole toughness issue, they keep losing games and they keep pointing to toughness. To me, that's the biggest issue, that they shouldn't be getting outworked by anyone. But in terms of the tangible reasons, I think rebounding is at the top of the list. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. I, I think that rebounding has to be the biggest question mark because it, it's not something that Syracuse was great at last year. But they, they did enough to get by, and, and this year they're not. This year the, that margin is, is, is uh, widening, and, and you, can't, you can't keep doing this. You, you can't keep playing this way because you're not going to win games when you give somebody 20-second chances like they did to Buffalo on, on Tuesday night. You've got to be able to grab a rebound, and that, that you know partially goes into the centers being able to stay on the floor. Uh, you know, part of the reason they can't stay on the floor is because they're not rebounding. Um, but it also leads to playing Marek Dolajai more in the middle. And and if he was coming in from a wing and he was rebounding, maybe it's different. But he's getting banged around and pushed around. And, and I noticed it more so when I was watching at floor level again, uh, you know, on Tuesday night. But he, he's just getting pushed and shoved so much in the middle uh, that it, it's it's got to be hard for him to get rebounds. And and then you look, and O'Shea Brissett is the only person with more than four in that game on Tuesday night. Like that, That's not going to get the job done. You know, that that's just not going to get the job done. And, and Syracuse has to find a way to be better on the boards. And, and I know Jim Beheim has pointed to the centers, and he's pointed to, to the guards, and he's pointed to everybody. It, it doesn't matter who it is. Just find a way to get rebounds. Oregon had 19 second-chance points. To seven for Syracuse. That was a fifteen-point game. Twelve, you know, twelve-point disparity in second-chance points. Uh, Georgetown had eighteen second-chance points to eight for Syracuse. Old Dominion had eleven second-chance points to zero for Syracuse. That was a close game. Buffalo had twelve second-chance points to five for Syracuse. This is a trend where, again, in close games against good teams, little things matter, and that's that's. A little thing, right? Which becomes a big thing when you when you can't get the defensive rebound, you give the opponent second chance opportunities, 
And, you know, those things add up. And in close games, they they really add up. Let's go to the phone lines, get a phone call in here before we get to Adrian Autry. Uh, Tom in Syracuse kicking us off on the show today. Hey, Tom. Thanks for taking the call, guys. Uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. Question for football. Thank you. Football question and basketball, if I could. Yeah. Real quick on the football, either yes or no. There's a player from Michigan State who were practicing and one from Oklahoma running back. Are they eligible to play in the bowl game? Yes. Yes. They're eligible. Dino said the other day that he doesn't know if they'll get in. They've been running scout team for most of the season and – you know, he basically said they need to know the plays in order to to play in the bowl game. So they're eligible. They're practicing. They've been, you know, practicing helping out team stuff. I don't know, you know, if we'll see them and and if we do see them, how much. And a second question: Is Steve Hyder there? Yeah. Is this anyway? The yes. question for I don't know if I'm talking to Hyder. Uh, once again, the question about the offense is: I watch high school teams that run better routes and patterns on offense than Syracuse ever has. It's like a it's like a pentagon. There's a point guard up top and two guards and they dribble between their legs and then they pass it. There's very very little movement in terms of the offense. I think a Tommy Blackford and 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 higher played for his, the guy at London. They run those kids are constantly moving in and out, around, about you know the fact that he just doesn't recruit kids that are smart enough. But they just they just decided that they're going to have a stationary offense, and I like Carter's perception on that. He's there. All right, pre- appreciate you you checking in, Tom, and and we do need to get to a break here. I I, I think some of it. Some of the issue we're seeing with this team right now, and, and listen, Jim Bam's run the same sets for years, and it's a free-flowing offense, and, and they like to you know, have guys who can get to the basket. And you've got guys who can get to the basket. You've got Elijah. You've got Tyus. You've got O'Shea. Uh, you know, Jalen Carey can get to the basket. Frank Howard can get to the basket. Part of the problem is, and I think a big part of the problem, and correct me if I'm wrong, Seth, part of the problem is that this team is not shooting the ball well from the outside. They're 29% or thereabouts on the season from behind the arc. And when you're only making 29% of your threes, by and large defenses are going to sag off you a little bit and guard against the the penetration and the drive to the basket. It's it's not by accident that O'Shea and Tyus were pretty much shut down in that second half against Buffalo because they made a concerted effort to not let them get to the basket. If you're right. going to beat us, go ahead. Shoot the three. Beat us from the outside. And Syracuse right now is not going is to. Not I don't want to say not capable. They're you know they're capable of getting hot, but you know the law of averages. The law of averages says this team, which is shooting twenty nine percent from three, is not going to beat you from behind the arc. So we can talk more about this. We do need to take a timeout. We've got to get to Adrian Autry on the other side. Back after this on ESPN Radio.